I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. We uh, often take our eyesight for granted and we make concessions that test our eyesight out of convenience and or vanity. A, a new memoir puts uh, into focus our sight as its author describes her experiences with her left eye. The book is called Don't Lose Sight, Vanity, Incompetence, and My Ill-Fated Left Eye. A user of contact lenses, Genevieve Chernenke, feels uh, something's off with her left eye. She gets it checked, but is told it's uh, not what she thinks it is. We all get condescended to by medical professionals, but Genevieve is uh, persistent and uh, soon is told by another medical professional that it's serious and she needs to um, undergo a corrective procedure. She's just had a child, too. She describes in evocative detail the issues uh, she was experiencing with her sight, as well as the process she initiated to address the medical mistake. It's an often frustrating ordeal through the medical and legal bureaucracy. It's instructive, though, and is one part of uh, the memoir that makes it uh, compelling. It's also beautiful when its author reflects on the power of our eyesight, and like its author, we can appreciate it just a little bit more. Genevieve Chornenke is a dispute resolution consultant and emerging writer who joined me from Toronto where she lives. She holds a Master of Laws in Alternative Dispute Resolution from Osgoode Hall Law School and Certificates of Creative Writing and Publishing from the University of Toronto and Ryerson respectively. Visit GenevieveChornenke.com for more. This new book is published by Iguana Books. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Genevieve uh, Chernenke. Ms. Chernenke, good morning. Hello, how are you? Pretty good yourself. Excellent, thank you. So I can't help but read the book um, and sort of, um, it's a sort of like an AA meeting, I guess, as, our, as we talk here, because I sort of read my own experiences as I read. Um, I, I can read up close, like I can see the notes in front of me right now, but if there's a sign or, or something... Uh, a, a bit of ways away, I, I can't see that, so I need glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I, I'm myopic, is that right? Sounds like it, yes. Yeah. Um, was that the same, uh, is that the same experience that you have, say? Yes, that would be correct. Yeah. Yes. Need to assistance for distance. Right. Yes. And and so, um, for, for the longest time, contact lenses were, were what you used? I loved them, yes. Yeah. Um, see, I have trouble with um, even an errant lash in my eye or, or uh, you know, even scratching my eye. I, I find that odd. So, so I've, I've never used contact lenses or even thought about them because the, the idea of, of putting something in my eye or taking it out was just not uh, something I was interested in. So for, for you, was it vanity that, that, that you yeah, turned Yeah, I was about to say that was the thing. It was vanity because I, I know how excruciatingly painful it is to get a hair from a mohair sweater mm. <laughs> behind a contact lens, but that didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I needed them. Yeah, and so um, what happened exactly to your eye? Uh, so the short version is that the retina in my left eye peeled away from the back of the eyeball about uh 20, more than a quarter, peeled mm. away. And uh, I had walked around with that condition probably for at least three months, maybe longer, you know, before it got properly diagnosed. And then I had surgery. This is a short version. Mm-hmm. And then I had surgery to repair it. 
So, so you, you, you say that you walked around with it uh, for three months. When did you have the, the feeling, say, in that time period that, that something was off here? Um, well, probably around the time my son was born. I remember sort of even before I came home thinking, oh, my vision is a bit weird. Like it just it didn't seem clear. It didn't seem clear. So that's what was sort of troubling me. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not clear, and that, that's your left eye. What was happening to your right eye during this Nothing. time? Nothing. Well, okay, the point was I wasn't able to distinguish right from left eye mm. because I just thought it was something with my vision. I had no way of pinpointing what it was. There was no pain. There was nothing. So it was just something was up with my sight. That was all I could have said initially. And, and I remember sort of sitting watching television and saying to my husband, this is really weird. You know, when I look straight ahead, it's really clear. And then if I just look off to one side, it's not. But I had no idea what was going on, none. There was a moment, though, in the book where, where you, you go see a, 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 a medical professional, if you will, and mm-hmm. you mentioned that, that the, the retina was detached. Um, did you have an idea at that point what it, what it might have been, say? You mean initially when I sought advice? Yeah. I had no idea. I never said anything about my retina was detached. I explained what my symptoms were and was concerned had I done, you know, what I said was, have I scratched my cornea by mm. wearing contact lenses? I That's see. what I said. I had the remotest clue about retina. You know, I could have drawn you a picture of the eyeball from school and shown you where it was, but beyond that, I was utterly ignorant. Yeah. So, so you, you went to an optometrist, is that right? Correct. Yeah, and and um, I've I've been to one, and I've been to an ophthalmologist too. I think I've, I, I figure out I've, I figured out what the the difference is. But um, you write about that in the book about um, because you, you go to an optometrist and you don't get much um, say um, I was going to say services. That's not the right word. Much, much treatment, and so someone recommends that you go to an op- uh, ophthalmologist. There is a difference between the two, isn't there? Yes, one is a medical doctor, uh-huh. and one is a health practitioner that doesn't have a medical degree but has significant training in eyesight. I see, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, um, I, I, you alluded to this a moment ago, but, but it, it was such a busy time in your life with, with, with pregnancy yes. and then giving birth. Um, right. it, it, it's just, it, it's... Um, such a compelling part of the book to read everything that's going on in your life as you're going into surgery. Right. What, what is it like to write about that part of your life? And, and, and I mean, it's hard to believe in some instances, isn't it? I guess um, by the time I'm putting it down on paper, it's sort of I'm sort of detached from it. But I, I will tell you, I mean, I did look back at journals and see what I had recorded and try to make sure I was accurate. I'm not sure I'd written down a whole lot, except the extensive nursing schedule that my son had. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I want to tell you, when when my male editor looked at that, he said, you know, I don't know how readers will feel about this schedule. Like, uh, you know, I'm kind of neutral. Maybe leave it in, whatever. And then when a woman looked at it, she laughed, and she said, that is the best description of motherhood <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> For people listening to this, there is a there is a, a, a sort of an extract of a diary where you put the times down where you have to nurse your son, right? And um, 
one literally doesn't have time for anything in in life, really. <laughs> no, not a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, the uh, second half of the book, if you will, or the the um, a good portion of the book, um, once we're in it, uh, d- deals with the aftermath of, um, say, figuring out what had happened and, and uh, you figuring out um, that, that something was off here um, in the way you were treated um, by um, uh, the optometrist. Um, when did you have an idea that something wasn't up to snuff, say? Uh, it, it really took a long time for it to dawn on me, but I think when I was standing in the ophthalmologist's office waiting for an appointment, and on the wall was a list of symptoms of a detached retina, and I looked at them and I went, wow, I, wow, I've had all those, you know, check, 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 check. And sort of it suddenly dawned on me, this isn't like a really novel thing. This is an unknown and understood condition. Mm. And that's when I said to the ophthalmologist, do you think I should make a complaint? And he very neutrally said, that would be a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I still, I, I don't, it took a long time for me to really understand that I had not been served well professionally. Like it wasn't like a sudden thing, oh, oh. And then there was the part which I do talk about in the book of thinking sort of it was about me and how I could be kind to this person and how I should be neutral, et cetera. And it dawning on me, no, this isn't about you. This is about public protection. Yeah. You know, what, if, what, if, what if someone else would be at risk? Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And it, it's a fascinating part of the book because you, you do have to navigate the bureaucracy. Um, I, I was going to say, is it the governing body for, for optometrists where yes. you are? Yeah. Yeah. And, yes. and it's such a... Um, uh, dispiriting part of the book because um, you're you're um, uh, by your trade, you know, a, a, a mediator by profession. So, right. so you have some some legal expertise, um, okay. and yet it is it's it's such a um, a maddening part of the book trying to navigate that. And um, because organizations like this, it doesn't matter what sort of profession, um, they're not really receptive to to those of us who who seek care from their members. You encountered a lot of condescension, didn't you? Yes, and I principally encountered that. I, I wouldn't have used the word condescension until you mentioned it, but I think that's not a bad word. Um, I think what happened there was that I managed to arouse the ego of the lawyer who was representing the college. Mm. And then a lot of it was that person's response to my challenging what they were proposing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that obviously has nothing to do with with care or uh, professionalism, nothing. or yeah, and and um, you know, it, it, I guess that's why people don't say things when, when something goes wrong, right? I should imagine, yeah, that would be yes, <laughs> because you're not. I mean, the reality is that when you make a professional complaint, I think it probably works this way in most places in Canada, anyways. Yeah. You know, you're. Um, you're you're just the person who initiates it, and then it gets taken over, right? So you don't have the expectation that you're going to really be a, part- a proper participant. Mm-hmm. And and maybe I was considered to be cheeky or something by saying, wait a minute, you're going to do that as a solution? That doesn't sound right. Yeah. It just seems so illogical to me. I guess I couldn't stop myself in, 
in objecting. <laughs> yeah. So, so the the um, uh, you uh, uh, furnish this complaint to, to, the, to the body, and, and um, you're extremely kind and thoughtful in, in what you actually write and and or what you want, uh, and and that is simply that the the, the uh, person that you dealt with um, uh, be, be uh, receives more training. Is that right? Well, at, at first. At first, when I sent the complaint in, I just said, take a look at this and do what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But then when I learned that they were settling it without a training component, I said, that doesn't make sense. For somebody to miss something fundamental, there should at least be a training component. And that request was what started to generate the resistance that I got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was a moment there where where the... the, the, uh... Um, I guess the lawyer for the for the the, the respondent um, uh, uh, gives you and your lawyer a file that says that there has been training done, and as you review it, it has nothing to do with retinas, right? Right, right. Yes, it has like sexual harassment, how to protect yourself in your office or whatever, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Again, it's just the, the the annoying part of bureaucracy and people really just pushing papers around, aren't they? Well, to this day, I don't understand the basis for not for them not including an educational, not voluntarily yeah. including an educational component. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What um, um, I, I, what I got out of the book as I was reading it was was um, uh, our sight is something that we take for granted a lot, and. Um, I guess that's the realization. One of the realizations you come to is as you, as you go through this experience and you write this book, right? Mm-hmm. What um, um, what about your your sight and about your vision? Have you reconsidered after this experience? You know, I have always considered my eyesight to be my primary sense. Like, it's the thing that I've always enjoyed the most, Mm -hmm. unlike hearing, which I mostly find annoying. (laughs) (laughs) So, especially where I live, where there's constant construction noise around me all the time and Mm. people renovating their houses and condos going up. So I've always appreciated sight. I guess this just has enhanced that appreciation. I can't say I had any, like, big insights about eyesight. Like, oh, wow, I, I, I never... I never liked it before. I, it was always, always, always really valuable to me. I guess what shocked me was the level of ignorance I had about what it involved and, and, and the ways in which it could be threatened, etc. And that, I mean, in the title I used the word vanity. So, so part of my preoccupation had simply been, what can I not put in front of my eyes to improve my eyesight? That you know, that's how I thought about it. And now, uh, give me anything that will make it better, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. Saying ignorance about about what our eyesight involves. I mean, I think I think we're all guilty of that. And and I think reading this book, I think only uh, yeah. makes, uh, at least for me as a reader, uh, cognizant of the fact that that um, there has to be some care that we can't just use this stuff and, and think that when we close our eyes at night for for sleep. Um, mm-hmm. That, that we're better, you know. Uh, what are some of the tips that you might have in terms of, say, understanding how our eyesight works? I mean, knowing what a detached retina is, I think, is, is, is probably a, a good right. thing to look up right now. 
it right. Yeah, well, now you can probably Google the symptoms and find mm. them, you know, <laughs> lickety-split. So um, I, I suppose, I mean, in, in terms of tips, it's just, you know, if, if there is something that you notice, don't, um, don't try to rationalize it, I suppose. Try to find out what it is that, that, that is, is, is causing it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I noticed um because um, I have to 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 read um a little more than say most people are doing this podcast. Um a number of the books the the, the season were sent electronically, which I didn't mind because it, it um right. I could get them right away if I wanted in, in the sort. Um but I noticed I was, uh, my eyes were straining looking at the screen too yep. long. And then yep. we we all look at too many screens because we have our phones with us yep. and and we're doing other work, yep. say. Um there was a moment there where I asked the publisher if they could send me the book, um, a, a physical copy. Yeah. Because I, 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 for some reason, it, it doesn't hurt as much when one reads right. off a paper than a screen. So, I mean, you, right. you, you really have to think about um, right. if something's off, just trying to improve that small part, right? Yeah. Well, and I do not read books on a screen. I mm-hmm. do not have a, a reading device. I read books in paper. I mean, I'm using it at a computer all the time to write and to edit and so forth. Sure, so I'm yeah. using that. But but when I'm reading, I am reading in hard copy. And if I'm going to a meeting, I used to be on a board of directors at a, a an Ontario body, and I was the only person who would ask, ask for the materials in paper before the meeting. Mm. And, you know, people were, how to say this, you get these pious messages about don't print, don't use paper, sure. etc., yep. etc. And it's what somebody said to me one time. She said, "You know, I don't drive a car. I ride a bicycle, and so this is my thing. I need it in paper, <laughs> like, yeah. and I kind of feel the same way. Uh, you know, that I, I I need to read things in paper, and you know, I otherwise don't lead a wasteful." lifestyle exactly exactly the, the the other thing that that i realized as reading your book um is it's not just me obviously that, that, that a lot of us are if something is off we're, we're very good at adapting our, our ourselves especially our eyes like if, if we can't yeah. see something we'll sort of figure even at times make up what it says you know if we're going somewhere and having to offer directions right we'll make up what the sign says just to, to get through i guess right well, I think the brain does that for us. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I filled in a lot of blanks that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when did you um, know, uh, Genevieve, that this was a, uh, uh, such a compelling story as it is that, that you wanted to write it down, say, and, and, and turn it into a book? It was a long time coming. I first started it, and I still have my electronic folder called iEssay. I first started it as an essay, where I guess like a lot of memoir, a person's had an experience and they're just trying to make sense of the experience. So that was a long time. That was years ago, and then I didn't have time to attend to it. And then there was a portion that became what I would call score settling. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever read it. There's a, a book by Mary McCarthy, Memories of a, of a Catholic childhood or something, Catholic girlhood. Uh And when you read it, you realize there's a lot of score settling in there she was doing in her memoir. So there was that instinct of mine because the level of discourtesy that I received when I made a complaint stayed with me for a long time, and I was angry for a long time about that. But one of the things my editor said was, well, sort of like, who are you? 
like, what's the big deal? I've been, let let me give you some examples where I've been disrespected. So I kind of had to work through that. But then the other thing, Joe, that was going on was that I had decided that I was going to privilege working with words more than I had in the past. And so I took a credential in um, book publishing and editing, and then I started to move into writing. And I would workshop little bits of this as it developed, little bits of it. And as I was learning more, I realized it was not so much about um, metabolizing an experience. It was not and should not be about score settling. It was about using words in a way that could create an experience for other people and invite them into something. And so it wasn't until I got there and started to put it all together that I realized this could be a book and this is not a diary. (laughs) So when you draw the distinction between it being a diary or a personal journal and a book, then a whole other set of considerations come into play and it's actually not about you. It's about the person who's going to read the book. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, that's what I did as I was reading this. Um, I read myself into it in, in, in some instances. I, I, I was born with a, a lazy eye. I don't know if that's the right term. My left eye is smaller than the other one. So right away when, when, you, when I pick up the book and it says on the cover, my ill-fated left eye, um, I was fascinated from the get-go. Um, the, um, uh, you write that, that writing um, helped you make sense of the experience. Um, the, the, the idea of using words, as you just said, I mean, it, it's incredibly useful for a lot of people. Is that something you suggest that people do say? I mean, whether, whether it's uh, not necessarily talking about writing a memoir, say, but just journaling even? I guess it depends on what your relationship with words is. I, I think for some people that might be exactly the thing to do. But I would add this caution. If all you're doing is writing it out to understand it for yourself, don't think that necessarily means something that the world needs, mm. right? There's a, there's a big distinction between what you write for yourself to work things out and creating something that you can offer to other people, right? Um, you know, sometimes in, like, in, in memoir writing courses, people have experiences that are still so raw to them that they can't put them down without weeping. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine, that's a valid experience. But that's very different from writing something that you want to share, I guess, you yeah. know, with the world. Yeah. So, yeah, writing, I mean, for me, words, the written form has always been a much easier way for me to clarify my thinking as opposed to talking. Some people can talk it out. That wouldn't be me. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the back of the book for your bio, and uh, I noticed, you know, the, the, the uh, author's uh, photograph. You're wearing glasses or contact lenses. Are they out now for you? Yeah, they've been out for years. Yeah. Out for years. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I really, I actually tried them in the last couple of years again. Oh yeah. And and I and I I went, oh man, why would I put up with this? <laughs> because it did not. It did, there are so many different factors in my description now. It did not enhance anything. It actually made it more restrictive. Mm. So I just said, that's it. I, I'm 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 happy with. You know, I now have probably six pairs of glasses, but I'm, I'm perfectly happy with glasses and special ones just for reading yeah. books yeah. in print. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I can't tell you how happy I was to read the book and, and glad that I, I, I read the book. It, it, it's a compelling book, and, and uh, congratulations on it. And 
good luck with it. I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. The website for more is at genevievechornenke.com. This book, Don't Lose Sight, Vanity, Incompetence, and My Ill-Fated Left Eye, is published by Iguana Books. Its author, Genevieve Chornenke, join me on the line from Toronto and Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.